Good morning. And it's good to gather here. It is good to be in this place. Um, we have our uh, weekly events there in the bulletin. Uh, please be in prayer. The elders and deacons will meet tomorrow night at 5 uh, to prepare the budget for 2021. Uh, Bible study tonight at 5 in the Fellowship Hall. A women's Bible, Actually, women's Bible study is complete, so please disregard that. Um, and also be in prayer as um, Synod meets this week. We've had to postpone the meeting twice due to the coronavirus, and we are meeting this week, and we'll pray about that here in a bit. Are there any other announcements? Our call to worship today comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 80, beginning in verse 1. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth between Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we have gathered here in your presence to worship you. Some of us may have come today crying out, Restore us, O God, and make your face shine upon us that we may be saved as we have walked through the wilderness of this world. Some of us may be here today knowing your salvation, knowing that you have rescued us from the dangers of this world. Wherever we come from today, Lord, we ask that you remind us that we are here to worship you. We are here to be in the presence of the shepherd of Israel, the one who guides his people like he guides a flock of sheep. And so remind us, Lord, as we are here, that we are dependent upon you and that our life is to be one of worship to you. Lord, we are here today at your call, and we cry out to you according to the words that you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are here at the call of the Shepherd of Israel, so please take the Bible song, the green book there before you in the pew, and turn to number 170. As we have read these words from Psalm 80, we have an opportunity to sing them as well. So please turn in Bible songs to number 170 and let us stand and sing the Shepherd of Israel.
Please be seated. As we approach God's throne, we are reminded that He calls us to be holy as He is holy. And we are reminded of the means in which we fall short of that call. And so let's take some moments now to silently confess before God our sins. Lift up your heads and hear that God has separated us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This is Paul's uh, transition section from what God has done to us through Christ and to how we should live in light of of the fact that we are, as Paul said earlier in the book of Colossians, holy, chosen, and beloved. Hear these words from Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Please take a few moments now to consider how you will worship God through the giving of tithes and offerings, whether by placing them in the baskets provided or mailing them in. Our God and Father above, we do lift all glory, praise, and honor to you, and we ask that you be glorified 
that you be worshipped by the giving of our tithes and offerings. May what has been given today be used for your glory and for your honor, so that your name might be proclaimed both here and abroad, and so that your gospel might ring clearly throughout this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book, that maroon book there before you, and turn to number 282. God be merciful to me. That is our prayer as we stand before God. And we know that He hears and that He answers. So let us remain standing and sing hymn number 282, God be merciful to me. Please be seated. So why do we have creeds? We have creeds as summary of the doctrine that we profess, the doctrine that we claim to believe, a doctrine that is a summary of Scripture and all that it teaches. And so, Christian, I ask you today, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
As we go to the Lord in prayer, just a couple of updates. Um, John Reinholdt, Donnie Spry's uh, dad, has a heart calf on Tuesday, so we lift him up. Um, Rick Barkley, um, Bob and Sadie's son-in-law, has surgery on the 21st, so we lift him up in prayer. Um, just the Pearsons with Hannah and her arm and a few other things going on, we pray for them and just continue to lift them up and keep them in your prayers. Um, Joyce Pritt, some of you know her from the New Lebanon Church, has been having some heart and some breathing issues, so please be keep her in prayer. And Jim Hunter from down there just had recently had his knee replaced, and so please be praying for him. As I mentioned in Sunday school, he's had one knee and one shoulder worked on. It won't be long before he's the bionic man. So, um, Are there any other prayer requests? Natalie uh, Wade? Yeah. Okay. Which is, yeah. So Natalie Wade is diagnosed with cancer this week, so and she's Emily's age, so. Also, as I mentioned earlier, Synod, our annual uh, business meeting for the denomination is scheduled for Thursday and Friday. We are in Columbia. We typically meet in June, but with the... Uh, Coronavirus, it's been put off twice. Um, we do have some very important things to discuss, um, the most important probably being uh, the denomination's retirement fund. And so it is in dire straits, so please be praying for that, that we would have wisdom in how to um, refund and um, make up the actuarial shortcoming um, that is predicted within the next 30 years. So please be in prayer for that. Um, as well as safe travel for everybody that's heading down there. So, Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for this opportunity to approach your throne in prayer. As we study the scriptures, we're reminded that you are the Lord Almighty, that you are the God of Israel, and that you are enthroned between the cherubim. We think of Isaiah's call in Isaiah chapter 6 and John's call in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, where both of them saw you high and lifted up, seated upon your throne as the cherubim constantly, day in, day night, hovered around you, hiding their eyes from your holiness and also proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, whose glory is shown throughout all the earth and who is and who was and who is to come. You are the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever, and you are the God whose glory shines throughout this entire world. Lord, as we look at the blue sky, as we look at the sunrise, as we look at the leaves changing color, we are reminded of your glory, of your might, and of your power as we consider your acts of creation. As we look at storms and fires and earthquakes at rage, we are reminded of your power of judgment that will rest upon this world at the second coming, judgment that is being heaped up now upon those who refuse to repent and turn to you, and judgment that has passed over those who have embraced our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as their only hope before you. Lord, as Isaiah continued this prayer that I began with, he talked about the kingdoms that were arrayed against you and against your people. Lord, Isaiah called upon you to give ear and to hear, to open your eyes and to see, and to listen to the words and the insults that are hurled against your people. Lord, sometimes those words and insults come within, from within your people, and we confess those words, we confess those insults, and we ask that you remove them from us. Give us a heart of love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Give us a heart of encouragement toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to be, um, to be people who share your holiness and your love within your church. But Isaiah was not talking about words that came from within the people of God. He was talking about words that came from the Assyrians, from those nations arrayed against the people of God who were insulting your people and who were insulting you. 
And so, Lord, we ask today that you hear and act regarding those words that are spoken against your people and are spoken against you. We live in a culture that calls you names. We live in a culture that uses your name as a curse word. We live in a culture that looks at your people and says that we are the most to be pitied. And Lord, we know that's not true because we know that your son has raised from the dead. We know that your son has given salvation and we pursue holiness and righteousness because of him. And we know that we are not the most to be pitied. And yet we are looked down on. We are despised. In some areas of our world, we are persecuted for our beliefs. We are imprisoned. We are beaten. And some give the ultimate testimony of giving their life for you. Lord, don't wait. We cry out and ask that you would meet those who have been insulted. Those who who have been persecuted with your comfort and with your power. And meet those who insult your people and who insult you with your power, with your judgment. Lord, we pray that they would be turned, that they would see the folly of their ways, that they would have their hearts softened, those hearts of stone removed and replaced with a heart of flesh so that you will be glorified in their salvation. But Lord, if you choose in your sovereignty not to do that, we do ask that you vindicate your people and that you vindicate your name. Lord, we are called in this world to hallow your name, to make it holy. And much of this world looks with disdain and derision upon your name. So, Lord, we know that you have answered these prayers in the past, that you have met Hezekiah's enemies with your power. So throw our enemies into confusion as you did the armies of Assyria. Make their arguments weak. And show the folly of their ways. Lord, we lift up our prayer request today. Lord, just as you answered the prayer to save your people, you will answer our prayers to heal your people. So we pray for John Reinhold. And we ask for healing for him and relief from his chest pains and wisdom and guidance for the doctors and safety on the road for he and his family. We pray for Jim Hunter in a, in a recovery from his knee surgery. And we ask, Lord, he loves you. He loves serving you. We ask that you restore him to his church and to his church family soon in his recovery. We pray for Joyce and ask that you would give her relief uh, with her breathing issues. We ask that you would um, give her relief from the despair that she is tempted to feel at times. We ask that you would lift her up and comfort her and remind her of the encouragement that is given through your people and through your word. We lift up Natalie and ask that you would uh, bring her healing, give wisdom to the doctors, give comfort and grace to her and to her family. And Lord, lift her up, draw her closer to you through this difficulty. Lord, we know that you work amazing things through doctors and through uh, chemotherapy and through radiation. And we ask that you work uh, in her life through those means. We pray for the Pearsons and the, the different uh, health issues that they have uh, within their family right now. And Lord, we ask for relief from them. We ask for a clear path forward for, the, for them. We ask for healing for them. And Lord, we know that you lead us through the wilderness oftentimes to expose those areas in our hearts. But we know they love you. We know they rest in you. And so meet them with healing. Lord, I pray for our denomination right now. I pray for the financial state of our denomination. Lord, I, specifically, I pray for the pension. Um, Lord, I ask that you give peace in our discussions this week regarding our pension fund. I ask that you provide miraculously the, the, the financial means to, to uh, shore up the pension fund and give us um, wisdom as we move forward deciding um, how the next generation of pastors will be provided for in their, um, in their retirement. Lord, you can work miracles financially just as you can through health, just as you can through creation. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you see the solution to this problem. If we as a denomination need to repent, show us where we should repent 
If we as a denomination need to trust more, show us and strengthen us to trust you more. Lord, help us to rely upon you and your means as we move forward in this. Help us to make hard decisions if we must. And help us to honor and glorify you as we seek to act in integrity toward commitments that we have made to care for your pastors and their wives. Lord, we love you. We know that you hear our prayers. Just as you answered Hezekiah's prayer against the Assyrians, just as you answered Hezekiah's prayer when he was ill, we know that you will hear and that you will answer us. And so we thank you for those answers. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please turn with me in the scriptures to Proverbs chapter 15. We're picking up in verse 20 of Proverbs 15. This will look a little bit back to the previous passage, um, but also will have its own focus as it begins to look forward to the rest of the book of Proverbs as well. So please take up your Bibles. Please follow along as I read from Proverbs chapter 15. Beginning in verse 20. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word! The path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him from going down to the grave. The Lord tears down the proud man's house, but he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The Lord is far from the wicked but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we do thank you for these words from Solomon to his son. We ask that you speak to us through them. Show us your glory. Show us your will. and Show us how to grow in our holiness and to be more like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God is a cosmic killjoy. Sure, you've probably heard that or, or something similar to that from the world around us. Our culture believes and professes that, that God wants you to live by a lot of rules, a lot of laws, and those ruling laws take all the, the joy and the, the fun out of life. You can't have any friends, you can't have any fun, you can't have anything that would be considered to bring happiness to us in our world today. Sometimes the church has bought into this as well. I mean, we are the frozen chosen, are we not? I mean, we even struggle to be expressive in our worship. But on a more serious note, we look at the process of becoming more and more like Jesus as we are called that within the scriptures, that process to be holy as God is holy. And we sigh in despair. Really? You want me to read how many chapters and, and, and pray for how long every day? And you want me to do it in the morning? You mean I really have to learn how to show people that I love them, not just, you know, say it? You know, do I, do I have to pray for my food in public? I really hope no one sees me do this. And these are merely the easy examples that wouldn't cut too close to the bone. We look to the call to work out our salvation through the pursuit of holiness in our families, through the pursuit of holiness in our communities, through the pursuit of holiness within ourselves, and we have a tendency to think that God is just a giant wet blanket. Solomon today takes the opposite view of that as he talks about joy that comes through the pursuit of wisdom. And as he talks about this today, we will see that he calls us to joy, that the life of the wise brings joy to parents brings joy to the community and joy to the individual. First, the pursuit of joy, the pursuit of wisdom brings joy to the parents. Today's passage opens in verse 20. It says, a wise son brings joy to his father. This is almost an echo of chapter 10, verse 1, where we began this section on the, the wisdom teachings of Solomon. It talks about how as a, a father or a parent watches their child grow 
in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, there is joy that comes to that parent. If you if you have children, you know how much joy bubbles up within you whenever somebody comes to you and tells you how well behaved they were or how well they're handling adulthood or how well they're handling life. There's there's great joy that comes to a parent as we look upon our children and see them grow and see them respond well, even to, to people who may have just helped in fulfill their vows in baptism where the congregation is asked, will you help these parents grow in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? There's joy for you as well as these children grow up and become successful and wise. But a little bit differently than we would expect in the second half of the verse, in chapter 10, verse 1, it talks about the, the foolish son bringing grief to the parents which is what we would expect Solomon to say here in this parallel verse. But actually what he does is he gives us the reason why the foolish son gives grief to his parents, and it's because the foolish man despises his mother or his parents. Remember, if we have father and mother both listed in the verse together, it's especially in the parallelism of the poetry in the Old Testament, we take them both in both halves of the verse. It's not that it's only the father that gets joy for the good children and only the mother that gets grief for the bad children. Although I do have a tendency to remind Michelle sometimes that, hey, they're your kids. But anyway, you know, it's, it's the both of them. It's not just that the foolish man despises his mother, but the foolish man despises his parents. We have uh, in our culture, the coming of age story in movies has shifted throughout the years, throughout the last couple decades. When I was growing up, the coming of age story was typically the child that had been in a family going through some type of difficulty, some type of stress, some type of, of, of horrific accident in their life and coming out a wise person, coming out a person who seeks to honor their parents or whoever it was that they lost in the, in the difficult situation that began at the beginning. Today, the coming of age story is how much different can I be than my parents? I, the coming of age story glorifies despising the example of the parents. And that's what we are told here is the foolish man. The foolish man despises his parents. He brings grief to his parents because there is a, a sense of hatred that exists between the foolish man and his parents. And there is a warning in that as well, as we are reminded of the, of the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, for it brings long life upon the earth. Paul echoes this in Ephesians chapter 6. We are reminded, as we'll see later on in today's passage, that there is danger for the fool in this hatred toward his parents. The children can either show their hatred or bring joy to their parents. The life of the wise brings joy to the parents. The life of the wise also brings joy to the community. In 1 Kings chapter 12, we have the account of Rehoboam becoming king after Solomon dies. Solomon is likely writing and compiling these wisdom sayings for his son, Rehoboam. The northern tribes come to Rehoboam and say, hey, look, your father put a lot of taxes on us. Your father demanded a lot of work from us as he was building the temple, as he was building his own palace. The temple's built. The palace is built. Solomon's gone. Why don't you lower the taxes for us? Why don't you reduce the amount of servitude that you need from the people? So Rehoboam goes to his father's advisors and um, seeks advice from them. And they say, you know what? This is a good idea. We don't need the labor. We don't need the tax money. Let's reduce taxes. Let's, let's reduce the amount of labor that we ask from the people of Israel. Rehoboam goes to his own friends, his own group of people who are going to be advisors, and they give him the opposite advice. And Rehoboam decides to, to take their advice and to basically double down and say, if you think that Solomon was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. And he doubled down on the taxes. He doubled down on the work that he demanded from his fellow Israelites, and he split the nation. Walking the path of wisdom brings joy to one's community. And we see this 
in the fact that we we have once again this idea of plans needing counselors plans fail for lack of counsel in verse 22 but with many advisors they succeed we will see in verse 23 that joy is brought to the individual when you are able to give wise counsel and the timely word as individuals within the church as individuals within the people of god pursue wisdom It brings joy to the community as they are able to give godly, wise advice. They become more biblical as they pursue the path of wisdom. And as they become more biblical in pursuing the path of wisdom, they are able to teach others to become that wise counsel and to give godly wisdom within the people of God and within their community at large. When you make plans, do you seek wise counsel? We oftentimes pray to God, give me direction in my life. Give me direction in the decisions that I have to make. And then we ignore the direction that God gives us in the people of God. As he has placed us in this family, as he has placed us in this community, he calls us as individuals to grow in wisdom so that we can encourage one another, so that we can be God's counsel to people. Do you seek godly counsel when you plan? Do you seek godly counsel in decisions? Godly counsel begins in prayer. We see there in verse 29 that God hears the prayer of the righteous. God's counsel comes through discipleship. God's counsel comes through asking what can I give from the pursuit of wisdom rather than what can I get from the pursuit of wisdom. Godly counsel shows itself in being involved in each other's lives, not in a scandalous way, not in a way to provide fodder for gossips, but in a way to lift up, to encourage. As Paul says, we encourage through the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. As the author of Hebrews says, we give encouragement through our presence in worship. And that is part of the godly counsel that we give as we seek to instruct in doctrine and correction in reproof and in training in righteousness. We have the privilege as brothers and sisters in Christ to become alongside those who need counsel as they seek to live the godly and the wise lives. Are we exercising that privilege? As we grow in wisdom, we see that joy comes to the parents. We see that joy comes to the community. And yes, joy does come to the individual as well. We see this in three areas. The first area is related to counsel, and we've already touched on it a little bit. Verse 29 talks about God hearing, or not 29, that's not the one I wanted, sorry. That comes in just a minute. We'll get to it. But it talks about the uh, the the. The wise person weighing his answers, verse 28, excuse me. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. We see that the wise person, even though he has the the appropriate reply, even though he has the ability to give the time word, the, the timely word, he does so in a way that is cautious. He does so in a way that weighs and considers. When I was in sales, we were always taught that that whenever a customer asks you a question, you want to answer as quickly as possible. It did not come easy to me. My mind doesn't always line itself up for the timely answer. It wasn't that I was necessarily being cautious. I just the, the marbles don't all just click in the right order at the right time. But the wise man takes time to think about it. The wise person says, I don't know when they don't know, but I will get back with you as soon as I do. The wise person may have the right answer, but takes time to weigh and to consider to make sure that that answer is both godly and timely for the person who asks. Joy comes to the person who seeks wisdom so that he can be wise counsel or she can be wise counsel. The second area of joy comes to the individual. It actually comes in the struggle to walk the straight course. 
Sounds a little odd to us, but verse 21 says, Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. The parallelism of the poetry here takes the word for delight and actually applies it to both both parts of the proverb there. And interestingly enough, the word delights in verse 21 is the same root for the word that brings joy in verse 20 and finds joy in verse 23. A wise son brings joy to his father. Folly brings joy to the man who lacks judgment. And a wise man finds joy in giving a wise reply. And just as folly brings joy to the man who likes judgment, the struggle of maintaining the straight course brings joy to the man of wisdom. Do you consider the fact that your struggle for sanctification should bring you joy? We have a problem in our struggle with sanctification. Okay, let's say I have a problem in our struggle for sanctification. I don't want to project upon you, but you may have the same problem in your struggle for sanctification. And the problem is this. I want it all and I want it now. God, why didn't you perfect me at conversion? Why do I have to struggle with sin? Why do I have to struggle with your law? Why is this such a drudgery? Instead of looking at God and saying, Lord, thank you that, that I'm a little bit further down the road toward holiness today than I was yesterday. Thank you that I struggled harder against the sin today than I did yesterday. Forgive me for failing, Lord. I absolutely repent that I failed. But thank you for giving me strength to last a little bit longer. Help me tomorrow to get just a little bit further. There is joy in the struggle against sin, brothers and sisters, and we miss it so often. And the third area in which we are brought joy, the man of wisdom who finds joy, we find it in the nearness to God. Verse 29 contrasts the unreachable distance between the wicked. While God hears the prayers of the righteous, there's a, there's a nearness to God that the wise experience that the wicked do not This nearness leads one on the upper path to greater nearness toward God and protects us from his eternal judgment as Solomon highlights in verse 24. This nearness to God is based on what he knows, on his omniscience, on his complete and perfect knowledge. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked. Do you know that God knows and weighs our thoughts? Those things that we think we have hidden from the world, those things that we think we have hidden from everybody, God knows. And God detests the thoughts of the wicked. Now, this idea of God's omniscience, this idea of God knowing us completely and perfectly, even down to the thoughts that we have hidden, sometimes even hidden from ourselves, can scare many of us. The idea of being exposed by God, the idea of being exposed by anybody can bring great shame. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Suddenly they were exposed to their own sin, their own nakedness. And they tried to cover themselves, but it wasn't enough. God still knew. And that shame of being exposed should drive us to repentance. It should drive us to seek the covering that only God can provide, a covering that comes through the cross, a covering that comes through the blood of Jesus. Oftentimes what we do, though, is we heap shame upon shame. We, we, we take the shame that God has given to us, this, this holy guilt that should drive us to repentance, and we, we say of ourselves, I am nothing but a worm. Does God say that about you when you're a sin, when you sin? No, if you are a child of God, he says, I love you. You're my child, my son, my daughter. And we heap shame upon shame. And we don't believe these words when God tells us that he is near to us and he hears our prayer. Because of Jesus, the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 19 is answered in the affirmative. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus, our thoughts, our words, our meditations, Our actions are pleasing 
to God. Our pursuit of holiness through Jesus is pleasing to God. Yes, we still repent when we fail, when we falter. But we find joy in the fact that God remains near to us, even in the midst of our continued struggle with sin. We must continue to do the work of salvation, of wisdom, pursuit of wisdom as the fruit of our salvation, not because it earns us salvation, not because it keeps us saved, but because out of joy to God, we pursue his will, we pursue his wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom, the pursuit of sanctification, the pursuit of holiness is a lifelong pursuit. It is a cross-powered struggle, and it is a struggle that brings us joy. As we consider Solomon's words, look at your own lives. How have you pursued wisdom? Have you seen the joy brought to parents? Have you seen the joy brought to community? Most importantly, do you see the joy in yourself? Let us pray. Our God and Father, we do thank you for these words from Solomon, that we find joy in wisdom. We find joy in following you. We find joy in you being near to us. Help us to remember the basis of that nearness. Help us to live in the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we pursue joy and wisdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your hymn books. To him, number 101, this is my father's world. Uh, let us stand and, and proclaim his ownership, his providence over all things. Let us stand and sing him 101. As you walk the path of wisdom, take this blessing upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance upon you and bring you peace. And we close with a prayer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.